Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman, going to be your host for this episode of Track World News, presented by the Harrier, and today we have a full menu of things to get into, so we're definitely going to go quickly, uh, but before we get into the content, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, leave a review, it really helps us know that you're enjoying all the content that we're posting, we've had a lot of support uh, in the past, and would love to, to keep seeing that from you guys in the future. Um, now, uh, want to get into the main meets that we had recently, some interesting news that we were seeing with, uh, Justin Gatlin, uh, as well as a little brief preview for a few events, uh, mainly the, within the sprints for the diamond league finals that we're going to be having, I think what I guess by the time this comes out, it's tomorrow and the next day. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what that is. But, uh, first want to start with the uh, Diamond League meet we had in Brussels. So major, major race from Michael Cherry this week uh, at Brussels. So he ran a 44.03, breaking Michael Johnson's record, um, which was the, the previous record holder. Obviously, if you're ever in conversations with Michael Johnson and your name, like you're obviously in a, a very great spot. And he's putting himself into very elite company. This is now the 13th time he's run sub 45 in the 400 this year, uh, seventh most all time in one season. And uh, before, other than his very first race of the year, which was in April, he's ran sub 45 every single time, um, especially recently starting what at the Olympics where his first PR was a 44.21 and then now uh, a 44.03. He's training, he's trailing in the right direction. He's peaking when it matters most. Obviously he probably would have liked to have that 44.03 at the Olympics. So he could have, you know, potentially been in that, been in that medal conversation. Well, he wasn't the medal conversation, but actually, you know, getting onto the podium, I'm sure he would have liked that, but uh, he, he's starting to really do well. Uh, this is a guy that I'll be honest, didn't know too much about going into the year, knew he was a good runner, but didn't think he had 44 low speed. Uh, and the consistency is something that is going to really help you, especially going into world championship seasons with this upcoming year where it's all about rounds. And if you're going to be successful in the rounds, you need to be super consistent. You can't just have that one really good race. And the fact that Michael Cherry is putting together some very fast times um, and being very consistent with those times is only going to help him out during this world championships. And I mean, I, I didn't think that he was going to be in the, that medal contention for 2022 uh, originally, but he's definitely making me be a believer. Uh, he's He's been showing up, and uh, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, at this Diamond League final as well as at uh, 2022. Um, also at Brussels, we had Fred Curley winning the 100 with a time of 9.94. Uh, second place was Bramel with a time of 9.97. Uh, and then third place, Michael Norman, time of 9.98. Uh, we're just seeing once again that Fred Curley is doing this 100-meter uh, thing for real. He is no longer just the... Oh, I'm a 400 meter runner who is going down and test out the speed in the hundred. Like, no, he's a legit 
100 meter runner. Uh, obviously, he has the the 9.84 they had earlier on this year, uh, as well as now this this 9.94, another 100 meter win, and uh, this is now putting him into even more elite company because he is the only person in the history of track and field to win a Diamond League race in the one, the two, and the 400. He is showing the range that athletes are going to need to have if they want to be contenders in track and field for years to come because he's now showing that this is something that you're going to have to be able to do if you're going to want to be in that elite company of racers. You can't just be a 100, 200 meter guy and you can't just be a 400 meter guy. I think Michael Norman is kind of taking that you know, that, that idea as well. I mean, he's running in these one hundreds. He ran two one hundreds in this, this past week did pretty well in both of them. Uh, so I'm, I wouldn't be too surprised if we start to see him really venture down, venture down more into the one hundreds and then also focus in on that 200 as well, because 400, he didn't do as well this past year. He, he wanted to do much better. He didn't do as well as he wanted to. And I'm sure he's going to say, hey, if I can increase my speed over the, the shorter sprints, that's only going to help me with the race that I really care about. And heck, maybe he's going to then get so good at the one and the two, like Curly, and not just be like a, a training platform for him, but actually be something that is going to launch him into a new uh, area in his career. So, um Curly is just breaking barriers. Uh, another barrier that he did break is breaking into the NFTs. Uh, so for those that don't know what an NFT is, uh, it is a non-fungible token. Uh, and so this uh, NFT just dropped earlier on this week. It's going on for the entire month of September. And uh, the way that it works is they're essentially like digital uh, trading cards. Just think of it that way. So much how you could buy and sell baseball cards, basketball cards, whatever it is, um, and, and collect them. It's essentially the same type of thing, but, uh, you buy it on like the internet and it's a virtual thing. And so you'd be saying, wait, so you're just buying a, a picture of a, a trading card and that has value. Like I can just like, you know, copy and paste that picture right now. Can't I? It's like, Yes, you can, in the same way that you could also uh, make your computer background the picture of the Mona Lisa, but it doesn't mean that that picture is worth the millions of dollars that the Mona Lisa is, because it's not the original. You know, like, there's one thing that is a one-of-one, one, and you can have a copy of it, but it's a copy. It's not the original. And so, he's the first track athlete to release this NFT, uh, and it's going for, uh, right now, uh, you can get it, the entry level, $42, uh, $420, $984, $1,980, and betting on uh, $9,840. Uh, it comes with this digital token, as well as there's a few other physical items that you can get also. He's the first track and field athlete to venture into this NFT space. Uh, will be interesting to see how successful this goes. Uh, these are all limited drops, so with the uh, different tiers, they have different amounts that you can purchase, and then when they're gone, they're gone. Uh, you can't get them anymore, so if this is something you'd be interested in, in getting, definitely want to hop on it quick, because once they're gone, they're out of here. You, you can't buy them unless you're going to buy them off the resale market. So, uh, he's just making history in, in both the, the track world and off the track, uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, also at Brussels, we had Momba who won the two, Christine Momba who won the 200 with a time of 21.84. Uh, 
she is just dropping insane times, especially given that she hasn't even had a full year of training for the 200. Because remember, she was she was training for the 400 until she had to eventually convert into running the 200 this year. And uh, she beat Sharika Jackson, who ran a 21.95. Uh, Dina Asher-Smith coming in third with a 22.04. And then Chikari Richardson uh, racking, uh, closing out fourth place with a time of 22.45. Uh, she's showing that really it's her and Elaine Thompson-Hurrah. Um, Elaine Thompson-Hurrah is on a little bit of an extra level. But uh, judging by the fact that, what, Christine's only, what, 19, 18 years old? Uh, she's got a lot of time to develop and she's one of those great young rising stars that is going to be a force to be reckoned with within the track and field world for years to come. Uh, like we said, we, we, we saw Shakara Richardson, 22.45, not really a time that is, was crazy. It was, she was not, it's clear that she's not quite back to her old self yet. Uh, she did run late. She did also run another hundred in a few days, uh, which we're going to get into in a moment, but she's just not quite back at her old self. Uh, and we'll get into why I think that is, uh, in a moment, but, um, she came in, in fourth there at Brussels. The, now the one, there's one more diamond league meet. This is the diamond league final. It's going to be in Zurich, uh, tomorrow. And the next day, uh, we're going to give, like I said, a, a couple of previews, but that was the last, uh, diamond league meet going into finals. Now, uh, yesterday or two days ago, was it? Yeah, two days ago, uh, we had a race at Padova in Italy. Um, not too many insane performances going on. The biggest performances was uh, Michael Norman in the 100. He ran a 9.97, beating Lamont Jacobs' uh, meet record, going into a headwind also with a, a 0.5 headwind. And like I said, Michael Norman, he's showing that he's trying to really give this 100-meter thing a go, I believe. Uh, will be, it'll be interesting to see what he does in 2022, being a world championship year. Is this going to be a 100 that's just to build a base right now post-Olympics? Or is this going to be something that he's going to actually give a good shot at during outdoor season next year? Uh, will he do any 60s? Uh, will he just be doing 200s and 400s next year for indoors? What What's what's his racing schedule going to look like? Will be interesting. Uh, he beat Marvin Bracey with the time who ran 9.98, and then Ronnie Baker who came in third with a 10.10. Then in the women's side, we had uh, Javine Oliver who beat Shakari Richardson, both running 11.19s, uh, and. Oliver just barely outleaned Shakari Richardson, uh, and they were running into a one mile an hour headwind. And so, this, like I said earlier on, like this was not this is not a was not a fantastic race for Shakari Richardson. I mean, it's essentially the same time that she ran at the Prefontaine Classic, where she got ninth. Uh, but the team and the the people that she was running against was not as strong here in uh, Padova as it was at Prefontaine Classic, where you're racing against essentially the Olympic finals field. And so what does this mean? Like, what is this 11-19 and the 22-4-5 and then the 11-14 from pre-classic? Do these times have any weight? And I don't think that they do because of a few reasons. And here's why. Uh, one, it's extremely hard to attempt to peak twice. So going into the Olympic trials, Shakari Richardson, obviously running 10 eights, 10 sevens, uh, having a really great season so far. Then she gets struck with this, this, uh, the suspension, not allowed to compete, 
uh, for the month, and then obviously she doesn't compete again until the Prefontaine Classic. So her training cycle was completely shifted, changed, and thrown on her head, and, you know, everything in her world just completely, you know, flipped over. So now she has to then build back up that strength, that speed, that just mental fortitude over the course of, what, a month, month and a half, two months, in order to then attempt to peak again, racing against the fastest women in the world who have been competing this entire time. Of course, it's not going to go very well. It's going to take, it takes time to build that up. There's reasons that the first races of uh, an athlete's year are usually not very good. I mean, if we remember back, we had Shelly Ann Fraser-Price who ran, what, 11.6 earlier on this year? And then now she's ran, what is it, 12 times under um, 11 seconds? So it's like you're going to have times that, you know, beginning of the year and, and when you're trying to build that speed back up that just aren't going to be good. And that's what I think Shakara Richardson is right now. Like these times don't read too much into it. Um, I'm not too scared at all as, as a fan of hers or anything like that. Uh, I wouldn't get, uh, you know, hesitant or, or, you know, a little weirded out unless if this was happening next year going into Worlds. I mean, I think I still think that she has a good chance at winning a medal at the World Championships in 2022. Uh, I think that she's going to feel she has a lot to prove and is going to be working harder than she ever has going into that year. But right now, it's not something that I would read too much into. Uh, you don't have to start freaking out until, you know, the, you have a regular season going on. Hopefully she's learned from her mistakes and we'll continue to, to develop on that. Uh, next big news that we had, uh, Gatlin appears to be retiring the middle in the middle of this month. Uh, and it didn't get reported as much as I think. Now this was a what, a few tweets that I saw saying that apparently he's going to be retiring after, um, what is it, Belle, Belleville in on September 14th. So he's got, uh, I think, two more races or, or one more race in his in his career that he's going with. Uh, obviously, Olympic champion, and he's a six-time world champion, one of the fastest men to run. He's running sub-10s at 39 years old, and I guarantee you if he wanted to run next year, he probably would be running sub-10s at 40 years old. Uh, it appears that he might be retiring, which I'm surprised like that he'd be retiring now. I would think that you would try to do Worlds 20, 2022 and, and call it a day then because it's going to be at home. It's going to be at Eugene. But um, if he does retire, it's going to be the end of a great career. He's one of the more polarizing uh, characters that we've had in track and field. Some people love him. Some people hate him. He obviously has had his controversies earlier on in his career uh, in regards to uh, potential doping and, and other scandals like that. But um, ever since then, he's been kind of a beacon uh, for track and field as one of the biggest names in our sport and one of the, the most stand-up guys as well uh, in his interviews that he's had with um, the media he's always speaking very highly of not only his, uh, his competitors, but the youth that are coming up in this sport. Um, he, he showed a lot of emotion at the Olympic trials when he wasn't, um, when he wasn't able to finish the 100 meter race. And, and so he's, he's one of the guys that it's like, you know, the closing of an era, it's something that, you know, is going to happen, but when it actually does, it seems a little weird because he's a guy that has always been in track and field. I mean, he's been running, he was in the 2004 Olympics. Like he's been running from 2004 Olympics to, he could have potentially been in this 2021. Um, so he's been running for a very long time to finally see that it looks like he's going to be retiring. It's just like, 
it's insane to, to think that that's actually going to happen. So um, if this is it, it's been a great career for Justin Gatlin. I'll be excited to see if he does anything else within the track space. Is he going to go into announcing? Is he going to, uh, you know, be a coach? Uh, what is it that he's going to do? Or is he going to just kind of find something else, uh, have a different passion because he's been in the sport so long? Obviously, he does have his son as well. So I'm sure he wants to focus on uh, his family also. But um, great career for Justin Gatlin. Next, uh, we have Diamond League Finals, like I said, coming up, what is it, tomorrow and the next day. Uh, would like to touch on a few things that I am excited for. Uh, we'll start with the sprints and, and, and go down a little bit. The 100 is going to be really good, especially on the men's side. Uh, so we have uh, the people that I think have contentions to win the Diamond League final. Fred Curley, uh, Brumel, DeGrasse, and Simbine, uh, all guys that have been running in those 9.8s, 9.7s this year. Obviously, you got DeGrasse and uh, Curley, who are, are medalists. Brumel, fastest time in the world right now. Simbine, also a 9.84 guy. And uh, I, I'm thinking I, I can't give not give it to Curly. I'm thinking it's going to be Curly with the gold, DeGrasse second with the the silver, Sambine third, and I think Brumel's just going to be a little bit out of it. I I want some I want Brumel to come back because he started off the year hot. He was running very very well to begin to begin the year, and then he's kind of been trailing off since then. And so I'm hoping that he can come back. I mean, um, I don't it's not like there's any reasoning for why he would like he's, I hope that he does, but he just hasn't been himself recently. And I'm, I'm hoping that can kind of change, uh, on the women's side. And, and just overall, I, I guess I could say, um, for the diamond league, there's a lot of big names that just aren't competing. Uh, I think mainly because this is just after the Olympics and many athletes just don't care. Like it's just not something that you're seeing many that a few big names just are not competing in the diamond league. Um, whether it's because, Hey, they just came off of a really difficult training cycle for the Olympics, or it's just like, it's not a big thing. Uh, and for me, like I get it. I mean, if it was, if this was something that was bigger or more important that these athletes actually cared about, then maybe they would, more of them would be competing, but you know, like Holloway is not, not competing. Uh, it doesn't look like Shelly and Fraser price is she's definitely not running the, the 100, so there's there's some some big names that are not competing in this. I don't think Noah Lyles is running uh, either. So there's some people that aren't competing, and I'm thinking that's because we need to do something different with track and field. Like, if the athletes aren't thinking it's important, then, I don't know, maybe let's do something different. Let's not continue doing these Diamond League meets because it seems like each year less, you know, we're just not getting the best, uh, athletes competing at it. And also it's at these weird times. Why are we having the finals happening in the middle of the afternoon on in the middle of the week? Now, yes, I know this is happening in Europe where this is not in the middle of the, you know, the middle of the day, but you should know that you're going to be having, you know, a big, a big viewing in the, in the States. So maybe let's do this thing on a Saturday or a Sunday when you can do it at any time. Why are we doing this on the, in the middle of the week when you know, your viewings just not going to be as high. Once again, track and field shooting itself right in the foot as always. So got to love that. Um, on the women's side, Thompson Ara is going to be winning. Uh, Tulu probably second, and I believe uh, Asher Smith is going to win uh, gold, uh, win bronze. 
I'm, I'm hoping that we see a really good time out of Thompson hurrah. I mean, if we can get a, a 10, you know, a 10, five again, that'd be awesome. Uh, she doesn't have the other Jamaican athletes competing with her. So we'll have to see how she does on her own. I mean, we saw that she did very well on her own, uh, earlier on this year, but you know, I'd, lo- I'd love to see how, how she's going to do, uh, Thompson hurrah. It should be a cl- clear cut for her. Um, then Christine Roba, I got in the 200, uh, Jackson second. And then I think Toulouse going to get a, her second diamond league medal getting bronze here. Um, yeah, this is the, the area where not a lot of our top runners are running in the, the women's 200, uh, except for Christine. I think she's going to, you know, really dominate. She's been showing her consistency, especially since the Olympics. And so to continue that, especially at such a young age, I, I think would be, would be awesome. Um, 200, I, I got easily Kenny Bednarik. He's the most, he's been the most consistent runner, especially in the 200 that we've seen this entire year. No one's been able to beat him at a, in a consistent pace. Um, we have other guys that are, that are also running fast times. Obviously you have the Olympic champion with DeGrasse and, and Fred Curley. I think they're going to be posing up good times, but I think the fact that Kenny Bednarik has just been super consistent this year is going to really play into his, um, into his hands. But I mean, you can't, you can't count out DeGrasse. I mean, he's just, he's another guy who's also consistent. I mean, all three of these guys have been and like, that's the name of the game this year that you can't just be fast. You'll have to be fast all the time. You can't just have one peak. And these are guys that have that. They've been able to run fast times all the time and be, you know, some of the top of the people, you know, at the top of their games always, um, for the 800, uh, it's going to be, I think it'll be pretty tough. I mean, it, a lot of people have been up and down this year. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to go with uh, Rochic, um, you know, Chariot, Rochic to win. Um, and then I, I'm, I'm going with – it's it's so hard. I think, like, I, I won Clayton Murphy too, but he's had a few meets that haven't been up to his standards, a few 145s in there. Uh, I'm not sure if it was strategy-wise. Like, he just got – pushed in the back and it was hard for him to go up. He has the best season best. Uh, I believe the best personal best as well. Yeah. He has the best personal best. Uh, it's just, he hasn't been able to put together two fantastic, uh, a couple fantastic races recently. Uh, so hopefully he can, he'll be in good position this, uh, this race to be able to, to take it. Uh, someone you also have to look out for would be Arap or Marco. Um, he's some guy that you got to watch out for one of the top runners this year. Um, one forty three, forty five, I believe he has. So, uh, definitely going to be someone to be looking out for, uh, this year. Um, and then in regards to the 400 hurdles, uh, obviously Warholm's going to be winning. Unfortunately, we are not going to be seeing uh, the rematch between him and Rye Benjamin. Dos Santos will be there, though. So two guys that have broken what was the world record going into this year will be competing against each other. So that should be something that'll be uh, very exciting as well. Uh, on the women's side, uh, we're not going to be seeing... Uh, what it, we're not going to be seeing uh, the Leah Muhammad or Sydney McLaughlin here. We will be getting Shamir Little uh, and Femke Bowl. So uh, I'm thinking Femke Bowl is going to take advantage of the fact that uh, those the two world former world record holders and world record holders are not there. Um, and then I think Shamir Little be able to get second, and then uh, Russell of Jamaica I think will be pulling it out for third place there. Um, and so. 
yeah, th- those are a few of them. I don't want to go too long. We're going to definitely be doing a big recap of everything following this meet. So next Tuesday, we're going to be talking about it. I wish this was not happening in the middle of the day. I would have definitely been doing a live review or a live viewing party of this meet, but unfortunately, the, the timing doesn't allow that to happen. Uh, love to hear what you guys think. What races are you most excited for this Diamond League race, uh, this Diamond League meet? Uh, those are some of the races that I'm most looking forward to. Um, so, yeah, love to hear what you guys have to think. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please give me a give it a like, subscribe, leave a review. Uh, really helps us know that you're enjoying the content and, and everything that's coming around. Um, have a good one. I will talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs> Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.